It's this one. No, it's off. Okay. You gotta start this. All right. Okay. Here we go. I am so excited to be the first one tonight to start with everybody. Um, it's really weird to hear my voice that loud. <laughs> Sorry, let me get used to that for a minute. Um, yeah, I'm excited to start it off tonight. I'm really excited. Um, God has been speaking a lot to me the last few months as I've been studying, and um, there's a lot that he has birthed in me in the last couple years. There's been a lot of things that I've been through um, personally, quietly, um, privately, and I've shared some of that with people, but um, I'm just excited that he has ignited my passion, and I'm excited that I get to share with you guys to, tonight. Um, so as you know, um, we're going to be starting in the book of Philippians. All the main sessions are going to be in Philippians, um, and let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this group of women. Lord, there's all these familiar faces that I see, um, that I can um, see and have comfort in knowing them, Lord, and all these new faces, God, that um, I just really want to get to know them, Lord, and let them know that um, you love them so much and you desire joy in their lives continually, no matter what happens. And I just pray, God, that you would just calm our hearts and minds, Lord. Um, just give us a new word tonight, Lord, that would not just be something for tonight, Lord, but that would last forever. And I just thank you, God, for your word. Just speak now, Lord. I am your vessel. Um, just speak your words through me. I love you, Lord. Amen. So the book of Philippians, I don't know if you guys know, um, many of you probably do, that um, Philippians is known as the epistle of joy. And when I think of an epistle or a letter of joy, when I think about um, my life and the seasons of life that God has brought me through, if I'm going to think about a time in my life where I might have written an epistle of joy, that would not be in a difficult circumstance. I've been through some tough stuff, and um, during those times, I would not have had any desire to write an epistle of joy. Maybe right after, when God brought me through it, and I can turn around and see with joy what he did, um, but definitely more focused on the circumstance. I don't feel joy in that circumstance. Um, but Paul is different. He wrote Philippians from prison. And it's just amazing to know that even though he um, was not in a happy situation, he had joy. And we have a lot to learn from that. Um, we're going to find as we study the book of Philippians this weekend that... It's a very short book. Um, the words joy, rejoice, and rejoicing are in it a great number of times. So um, I think we have a lot to learn from this man who wrote an epistle of joy from prison. So let's go ahead and read. I want to read through the first chapter with you. So if you haven't turned here yet, please do it. Um, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, opposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only yet let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Okay, thank you. I'm done. That just seemed really long. <laughs> um, so let's just start with verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. Bondservant um, is a person who is devoted to another to the disregard of their own interests. To be um, devoted to another at the disregard of your own interests means that you have an attitude um, of devotion. Your interests are not looked upon. Your consideration is not upon your own circumstances and where you are. It is upon this other person that you are devoted to. And these, they're bondservants of Jesus Christ. Um, 
to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So he's basically telling you it's, it's to everybody, the, the believers, those who are set apart to Christ, um, the elders, the overseers, the people who serve in the church. He's talking to every person in the church at Philippi. Verse three, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Um, his thankfulness upon remembrance. Um, for me, we've been studying the book of Acts in church. Jackie's been teaching on Acts, and so it's very fresh for me. And if you've studied the book of Acts, um, chapter 16 um, talks about the beginning of the the church at Philippi. It's the first church in Rome, and it's very exciting, very exciting things happening. You know, um, the first first person in the church was Lydia, and she held church in her home, and then there was a girl who was possessed by um, a spirit of divination who was delivered from that spirit. There's another person, another convert. This is a person that he can remember. He can look back and remember um, what God did in her life, and then... Um, from there, there's Paul and Silas were in prison, and they prayed, and they sang out to God in their prison, and um, <laughs> I got distracted. Um, <laughs> he, so yeah, they sang, and there was an earthquake, right? You know, most of you know this story. There was an earthquake, and um, all the chains and the prison doors were open, um, and yet none of them left. Um, so there was the prisoners who saw Christ, and they are also converts in the church of Philippi, and then um, the jailer and his family also. So isn't that exciting? That's something he can, he can be in prison and remember the last time, or not the last time, but another time when he was in prison, um, something that Christ did through that. He brought all these people, and so he thanks God upon every remembrance of them because he can remember the amazing things that God has done. Um, it's just exciting um, for all of us. We all um, can remember. If, if you are in Christ, you can remember what Christ has done in your life, and you can see those around you, you know, from one thing to um, be be saved and be a believer, but also he works in all our lives. We can look around, um, look at the person next to you and know that God has done something amazing and it's so exciting to see and remember what um, Christ has done. And so we see that, that Paul's focus was not on his circumstances now. He was able to um, remember what Christ has done and set his mind upon the things that, um, that can bring joy. So there, that's where his joy was. Um, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul had to take captive every thought to make it obedient to the truth of who Christ is and what he's done in his life and the lives of those that he touched, knowing that God has worked through these lives to touch other lives. And we, we as believers, there should be a joy that is obvious. We have a hope 
that nobody else has. If they are not in Christ, if they do not know him, they do not have that hope. And we should be, we should be different. We should have that joy. We should have the mind that is set on eternity and not set on things here and now. Um, you know, it's hard for us sometimes because life is hard and we have things that are difficult and our hearts are burdened and we can't change the way we feel. We can't change the way we feel. We can't change what's in our hearts, but God can. But God cannot change our minds. We have to change our minds, but he won't force us to change our minds. He can't do it. You know, it makes me think of, I have a certain little person in my life. Um, She's in second grade and I'm her teacher. And about three weeks ago, um, I've had the biggest struggle um, some of you have asked me on, at church on Sunday the last couple of weeks how I was doing and for me to even say anything without having tears in my eyes because it's such a struggle to see somebody struggling. She um, just kept continually choosing a bad attitude. Um, every day from the moment we woke up, she didn't, if it wasn't going her way, she just... It was horrible. It was honestly just horrible for me because I just, I just was praying and asking God to just help me to be a peaceful, gentle, kind person to her because I need to reach out to her and give her the tools to change her attitude, but I can't change it. And it's heartbreaking to see somebody living their life when there's so much to be grateful for, even if we have to do hard things and go through hard things, there's so much around you that you can look up and see things to be thankful for. But if you don't do it, it's heartbreaking to see that person. It's heartbreaking for me every day to sit there and think if she would just choose to think about, you know, I cut her a brownie and she's like, is that all I get? Kind of like, well, I could have given you none. You know, it's something, (laughs) you know, just... Things like that, it just was continual all day long. And um, it just, God showed me his heart for us, that he sees us and he gives us so many good things. And he, it, it breaks his heart to see us unwilling to change our minds because he's willing to change our hearts if we will just change our minds. So I just challenge you to that, um, to just... Be willing to change your mind, to focus it on things that are joyful. Um, And yeah, this weekend there's going to be a lot of tools that you're going to learn as we go through. I'm just excited to see all the tools that um, the ladies have um, found in the Word because it's just full of so much truth. Um, So that's what we're going to do this weekend. That's what we get to do. And um, so we won't be able to go home and say, I don't know what to do to get my mind where it should be because his word says it. And like the verse said, um, to take captive every thought. Taking captive, taking something captive isn't something that you just go up and say, you know, like you saw Miss Jade up here. It wasn't like you go, come on. And she's like, okay, take me captive. You know, you have to, it takes work to take something captive and it's a battle. Um, and because it's in God's word, we know that, that it can be done. 
So let's move on. Verse 3 through 5. I'll read 3 and 4 again. Thank you, my God. Upon, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Uh, I just love that it says every upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer for you all. Um, that we can take captive every thought, um, just like Paul did. Verse 6. This is my favorite verse um, from what I've been studying. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're feeling discouraged right now and you're burdened. If you are in Christ, he has begun a work in you. He began a good work in you. And if you're not in Christ, I pray that you will come and speak with us or just talk to God. Tell him you want to be his and allow him to start that good work in you now, today. Um, He wants to start that work and we can be confident that he will complete it. I've been struggling a lot um, the last couple years and just knowing that God started a work. I know that even though I have been faithless at times, he still started that work and he is continuing it. I love what the Amplified Bible says. It says, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. He's not done working with you. If you feel like the work has just stopped, he's, his word says it right here. He's not stopped. He's continuing. He's developing this, this work in you. He's perfecting it and he's not done yet. He's not done yet. He has a work in you and he's continuing. Just be confident of that that he has begun that work and he will bring it to completion. Verse seven and eight, just as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Um, I longed for this weekend um, for you fellow believers and those of you I don't even know and those that have been in California and I can't wait to see and (laughs) um, it's just a wonderful thing to long for that fellowship of the believers the love and affection that Christ puts in us and um, Paul is is expressing it here to um, his fellow believers in Philippi while he's in prison. Um, Verse 9 through 11, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And um, when I read that I'm sitting there trying to uh, think 
you know, what, what that means for your love to abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And I looked again to the Amplified Bible. I love how it amplifies everything. It really helps me understand that. So I want to read that to you too. This is verses um, 9 and 10 in the Amplified Bible. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. Don't we want that? How awesome is that? So that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences. And that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless, so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you, you may approach the day of Christ, not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. Um, and I read that, and I know in verse 8, you know, when he's talking about the affection that he has of Christ, this is the love of Christ. Um, and he showed it, that Christ was the one who developed the love in him that was to its fullest extent and the greatest depth of knowledge and discernment. And he knew that this was vital and that it was of real value. Verse 11. Um, for me, there's a lot of joy in just knowing um, that the fruits of righteousness that fill us, they're not our fruits of righteousness. They're not by us. They're by Jesus Christ. We don't have a burden. We don't have a burden to produce those fruits. We just allow Christ to, to produce that fruit in us. And that's a joy, especially when you are going through a difficult time. Just allow Christ to, to fill you with those fruits of righteousness. Um, verses 12 through 18. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains. Having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. You know, Paul, when he was in prison at this time, he was chained to a guard 24 hours a day, every day, and this was by a soldier of the imperial guard, and they were the elite soldiers. The guard was changed out every four to six hours. He had a truly captive audience. Um, it's amazing, you know, to know even though you're in prison, um, Christ is working. You know, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached we can rejoice in that. We can have joy in knowing that no matter what we're going through in our struggles, 
there is joy because, because Christ is being preached in our life. He is being shown to everybody. Let's read verse 19 and 20. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, to be magnified. You know, um, when we go through those struggles, um, we're magnifying Christ. You think about a telescope, and a telescope takes something that's way out there that seems so itty-bitty, these little stars way out there, and it takes it and it brings it to us so that we can see the volume and the depth and the hugeness of what is out there. You know, stars that are way bigger than our sun, which is way bigger than our earth. We're like a speck of dust in the universe. And that telescope takes and shows us, magnifies um, what is out there, how huge and big the universe is. And in the same way, our lives do that to everybody around us. Our lives magnify Christ. They bring that which seems so far and distant to everybody. It brings them Christ, big, huge, amazing. And they can't see that if they don't see that in our lives, in our struggles. If life is just peachy keen all the time, they're not going to see the work of Christ through those struggles. Verse 21 through 26. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you and being confident of this. I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. To live as Christ. What does it mean to be Christ? To be a light in the world. To, to be a light in the darkness. Um, and to die is gain. Death is a loss of all things that we know. We lose everything here when we die. And yet, we get to live for eternity with Jesus Christ in his eternal glory. There's no more death, no more sorrow, no crying, no pain. But don't we find, too, that we struggle like Paul sometimes? Are you hard-pressed between the two? Oh, to be away from the difficulties of life, the sin, the struggle. Oh, it would be so good to be with Jesus. So good to be away from that. And yet, we see the people around us, and we're hard-pressed because I want to be with Jesus, but these people need Jesus here. They need to see him now. These people need Christ now. And so, therefore, I am hard-pressed because I know it's needful for them. Christ has placed in my heart a desire to reach out to them and show them Christ. It's needful for me to be here now. And he has shown me that. And I pray he has shown you that too. We have a purpose here. Um, and it reminds me of uh, 
the Christ in you, the verse in Colossians that, that talks about the riches of the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Um, it's just amazing to know that he is in us and that he is magnified in our lives. <clears throat> and to look around at the people around us, um, every single one of us has been through some type of difficulty. We can look, like I said before, we can look to the person next to you and know that they have struggled through something and we're encouraged by what God has done in their lives. A lot of you know some of the things I've been through and um, people get excited because they're like, wow, it's so awesome to see what God's done in you and you know, it just increases your faith, it increases your joy that God works and he works in that life and he works in that life and I, I remember what he did and you know, I've, I've seen him change your life for good and don't we want don't we want that? Don't we want to be that to other people? We struggle so much and we focus so much inward on what we have to go through and we forget that God is doing something. People are looking at us and they're seeing a struggle, but they're seeing Christ magnified in us. And we should find joy in that every day to be like, Lord, God, you are, you are doing a work in me and you are being magnified and all I have to do is trust you and move through this struggle and know you, you are being seen by people who need you so desperately. Um, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Um, I looked up the word conduct in the Strongs. Um, it says to behave or to, to be or behave as a citizen. We are citizens of the kingdom of God and we should behave as such. Others should see us and know that we all are of the same citizenship. We are striving together persistently as one in spirit and mind for one purpose, for the conviction that we have the truth of the gospel, that Christ came to save us all, to make us all free. We should be striving together as one to save everybody, to show them the freedom that is available to everyone. That's why we're here, to show Christ in our lives. Isn't that a reason to have joy? Together, together we can have joy as we strive to bring others to the knowledge that they are free. Verse 28. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Another amplified Bible version. <laughs> Do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries, for such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, a proof, and a seal to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that from God. That's 
so exciting to know that we can stand fearless in the face of our opponents. We can take courage and um, stand together as we strive together and know that our standing in fearlessness is a clear sign and token that we have hope of salvation in Christ. And verse 29 and 30. For you, to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Yes, we all struggle. We all suffer, but we don't do it alone. We all, like Paul, suffer for Christ, for his sake, that he might be magnified in us. Each of us has a struggle we've come through or are currently in that can be shared with somebody else for the glory of Christ. And because we know the work of Christ in us, we can turn our minds to an attitude of joy. And I just want to close um, with Jeremiah 15, verse 16. It says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word, God, that we can take your word. We have found it tonight, God. And we take it, and God, we choose to eat it, God, and make it a part of us, Lord. When we eat something, it becomes a part of, of us, Lord Jesus. And to us, it is joy and rejoicing of our heart, God. For we are called by your name, O oh, Lord God of hosts. We love you and we praise you, and we just look forward expectantly to all that you have for us this weekend to teach us more about your desire for us to live a life of joy for you. Thank you, Father. Amen.